0: get what you want without the complicated AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire, available wherever you get your podcast limited availability in select areas visit at slash hypergig for details as the number one audio company iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience, live conversations trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow, iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more Hey y'all, we're rerunning two episodes today, which means you might hear two
1: hosts. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's October 6th. The Reno brothers staged the first peacetime train robbery in the United States on this day in 1866. The reason we specify that it's the first peacetime train robbery is that there had been one train robbery before this one on May 5th, 1865, just at the very end of the U.S. Civil War. That one was on the Ohio and Mississippi Railroad. A group of men had fouled one of the tracks to cause the train to derail. Once the train hit that track and jumped off of it, They robbed the passengers and the Adams Express Company car. Today, Adams Express Company is an equity fund, but at the time, it was an express company that delivered letters and packages. The robbers were described as guerrillas. They were dressed in civilian clothes but armed with Navy revolvers, One of the men was called lieutenant by the others and another one was called captain. So most of the time, because of all of that and the fact that it happened right at the end of the Civil War, this is considered part of the war rather than a matter of civilian robbery. There also, of course, were incidents during that war of people commandeering entire trains for military reasons. So the one that's usually noted as the first train robbery in the United States is that one that happened on October 6th, 1866. The first transcontinental railroad had not yet been completed. That would happen in 1869. But more and more train routes had been established and they were traveling through very remote parts of the United States. Often there was not any kind of law enforcement or other person one might go to for help anywhere nearby. And it didn't take long for people to figure out that a train full of mail and parcels and people who could afford train tickets far away from any source of law enforcement might be a good target to rob. In this case, the people who had figured that out were the Reno brothers. That was Frank, Simeon, John, and William, along with their associates. They boarded this train near Seymour, Indiana, once again on the Ohio and Mississippi Railroad. The Adams Express car was once again their target. The robbers made their way to that car, and they demanded the keys to the safes. The attendant, who was on duty in the car, though, only had the keys for the local mail safe, so he opened that one up for them, and they took all of its contents. Then the gang threw the entire other safe off the train with the intent of getting it open later on. Then they jumped off the train. So because they had gotten on near Seymour and they had left without anybody outside of the Adams Express car knowing what was going on, the engineer just continued on, unaware that anything was amiss until somebody got his attention and told him about it. The Pinkertons investigated, and this became the first of many, many train robberies, especially in the 19th century. A lot of other gangs, like Butch Cassidy's Wild Bunch and the James Younger Gang, became infamous for their train robbing. A lot of gangs just specialized in robbing trains, and soon train companies were hiring armed guards and reinforcing their mail cars and otherwise trying to defend themselves from this newly created type of crime. The Reno brothers were all captured in 1868. Frank, Simeon, and William were hanged later on that year after being taken out of the prison where they were being held by a vigilante mob. then took the law into their own hands. Their brother John, though, had been captured earlier. He was serving time in a different prison, and he was spared that particular extrajudicial violence. Thanks so much to Tari Harrison for her work on this show. And you can subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcast. And you can tune in tomorrow for the birth of a Nobel laureate.
2: About six million.
0: Approximately eleven million dollars.
2: Nearly ten million dollars was all gone.
0: Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients.
2: Hide your money in your old rich man (laughs) because she is on
1: the prowl.
2: Listen to Queen of the Con Season Five: The Athlete Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hello again. It's Eve's and you're listening to This Day in History Class, a podcast that truly believes no day is boring. <laughs> the day was October 6, 1908. Austria-Hungary informed the Ottoman Empire of its annexation of Bosnia and Herzegovina. This announcement set off what's known as the Bosnian Crisis. A period of conflict between Austria Hungary and the Ottoman Empire. Under the 1878 Treaty of Berlin, Austria Hungary gained the right to occupy and administer the Ottoman Empire's provinces of Bosnia and Herzegovina and the Sanjak of Novi Pazar. But Austria Hungary always had its sights set on permanent possession of the provinces. Bosnia and Herzegovina were widely sought after, but Austria-Hungary put a lot of work into developing infrastructure, mines, factories, agriculture, and schools in Bosnia and Herzegovina. At the same time, ethnic and religious conflict grew within Bosnia and Herzegovina, and groups in the two provinces displayed nationalist ambitions. The Young Turk Revolution broke out in the Ottoman Empire in 1908, and it restored the Ottoman Constitution of 1876 and revived the Ottoman Parliament. Vienna was afraid that the new authorities in the government of the Ottoman Empire would try to restore Ottoman political power in Bosnia and Herzegovina. As a pro-Russia Serbia vied for control over the Sanjak of Novi Pazar and Bosnia and Herzegovina, Russia itself was destabilized after defeat in the Russo-Japanese War. Foreign Minister of Austria-Hungary, Alois Graflexa von Arenthal, saw an opportunity for Austria-Hungary to assert its dominance in the Balkans. Austria-Hungary's ambassador to Russia, Leopold Graf Berchtold set up a meeting between Ehrenthal and the Russian Minister of Foreign Affairs, Alexander Petrovich Izvolskis, in September of 1908 at Bushlau in Moravia. What actually happened at the meeting is up for debate as no minutes of the meeting were released. Izvolsky said that Russia would not object to the annexation, and in exchange, Austria-Hungary would not object to open the Bosphorus and Dardanelles Straits to Russian warships. Izvolski insisted on an international conference before the annexation took place. But on October 6, the day after Bulgaria declared its independence from the Ottoman Empire, Emperor Franz Joseph I of Austria announced that it was annexing Bosnia and Herzegovina. The withdrawal of the Austro-Hungarian army from the Sanjak of Novi Pazar was also announced. But Izvolski was not expecting the annexation to happen so soon. He said that Ehrenthal did not tell him the date of annexation and that he did not know Austria-Hungary planned on executing it before the matter was settled with other political powers. Opposition to the annexation erupted in Europe, Russia, and the Balkans. France, Britain, and Italy protested the annexation. Pan-Slavic nationalists throughout Europe were unhappy with the announcement. Serbia insisted that Austria-Hungary cede part of the Sanjak of Novi Pazar to them, and Izvolski supported them. But Austria-Hungary, backed by Germany, threatened to invade Serbia. At the end of the Bosnian crisis, Austria-Hungary seemed to have come out on top. After a boycott of Austro-Hungarian goods caused commercial losses, Austria-Hungary ended up paying an indemnity to the Ottomans and alienating many from Austrian policy. But the Ottoman Empire recognized the annexation, which Russia and Serbia accepted in March of 1909. The next month, the Treaty of Berlin was amended to accept the annexation. The nations managed to avoid war, but tense relations between Austria-Hungary, Russia, and Serbia after the latter two faced such humiliation, remained and contributed to the outbreak of World War I in 1914. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have any burning questions or comments, you can leave us a note at podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Or you can go the old-fashioned route and send us an email at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you tomorrow at the same place. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
2: Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B
0: Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown.